0: Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Vintage Church is a movement of truth, love, and community. For more information, visit VintageChurchNola.com. Here is this week's message. We believe that Jesus changes lives. And what Jesus has done for me, what Jesus has done for so many in this house and part of this family, we believe Jesus can do the same for you. In just a few moments, if you're here today, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I believe that you're gonna have a face-to-face encounter with this Jesus Christ who loves you so much. And I believe today is gonna be a day of salvation. Jesus is changing this world one life at a time. Man, it's great to be back in New Orleans. My family truly knows truly knows what it means to miss New Orleans, okay? That's not just a song anymore for us. I mean, it is a slogan. And uh, eating some food yesterday in town, Pittsburgh's in denial. Their food's terrible. Food here is like heaven, right? And so we're so glad to be back. My family misses you so much. We love you so much. I think we've got a couple pictures. Vintage Church Pittsburgh had our first um, launch team meeting this past week, and this is a picture right now of them watching us online right now together up in Pittsburgh. Can we give it up for Vintage Church Pittsburgh? Thank God for them. Look at Pastor Sean Englert. He's even got his chain shirt on, so we're celebrating changed up there in uh, one of our homes, and so it's so cool to be a part of this gospel multiplication story. Vintage Church Pittsburgh, I love you so much. Can't wait to be back up there. Uh, Annabeth is begging for me to get back up there because kids be starting school this next week and kids be crazy. Y'all know how it goes. Let's open up our Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter four. 2 Corinthians chapter four. If you don't have a Bible, lift up your hand. We'd love to get you a copy of the word of God. If you don't own one, please take this home as a gift from our church to you. We believe there's nothing greater in all the world that you can do than to open up God's word, read it, and apply it in your life. My name is Rob Wilton. I serve as the pastor planner of a new church in pittsburgh that we are getting to be a part of together also get to serve as your founding pastor and it's so great to be here thank you pastor dustin for the honor of coming back home and getting to hang out with you guys and i'm just so so thankful i'm, I'm telling you there's no greater joy in my life right now than seeing vintage church new orleans continue to live the gospel serve the city and be the church and so thank you so much for all that you're doing for god and for his kingdom Listen, today um, we wanna talk about becoming a part of Team Jesus. But before we start talking about this, I I just gotta let you know a few things about joining this team. Um, you You don't necessarily have to get a chain shirt to become a part of Team Jesus drink some Kool-Aid or, you know, go through some sort of orientation or whatever. Um, We're going to pray that Jesus would transform your life more from within. Um, But we want to talk a little bit about what it means to be on Team Jesus. First of all, I want you to know that becoming Team Jesus um, is the work of Jesus. For we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And so I'm just the messenger. I can't save you. Pastor Dustin can't save you. Mama can't save you. No religion can save you. Only Jesus saves. And so we believe that it's not ultimately even something that you get to choose. We believe that it's the work of God. And the work of God transforms your life. And as we just saw in the video, creates in you someone new. The old is past, the new has come. You're a new creation so becoming Team Jesus is the work of Jesus. Number two, I've just got to let you know, becoming Team Jesus is hard. Um, we're just going to come right out. You know, typically, you know, okay, Rob, this is a revival weekend, and so you should be really light. And No, we, we want to shoot you straight. Being on Team Jesus is hard. It's not going to guarantee that everything's going to go perfectly and that you're always going to, you know, um, have no health problems and you're going to have all the money you ever wanted and and there's going to be nobody that hates you. We're going to learn, in fact, that um, it's really true that when you become Team Jesus, this life is not your own. This world is not your home. And so I'm just going to go ahead for especially those of you who are praying about maybe the Spirit of God speaking to you about becoming a follower of Jesus, becoming on Team Jesus is hard. Number three, I want you to know that becoming team Jesus is underrated. Any of y'all ever been underrated before? My whole life, I played college basketball about 30 pounds ago. My whole life, whenever I stepped into the gym, I was the leading scorer on my basketball team. I was a Division II uh, All-American. Most people, when they saw me enter into the gym, I was immediately underrated. They're like, that body, we ain't scared of that. And so um, being on Team Jesus, I just want you to know, for the rest of your life, the world is going to rank you as one who's underrated. And and so we understand these things in regards to becoming part of Team Jesus. I want to talk a little bit about what it means to be underrated. And, and I want to share with you in regards to this, um, that being underrated is actually part of God's sovereign plan for his church. Because what we're going to learn is the more we are weak, the more he is strong. And our very purpose in being Team Jesus is to shine the light of Jesus, not our own light. So you're going to find really quickly that this is not about us and that God is orchestrating a number of things for his kingdom and for his glory. Now, when you're underrated, you can't always tell the value or potential of something by the package or the vessel that it comes in, like me in college basketball. Um, To define what it means to be underrated, listen to this. It's to be underestimated, undervalued, and even underappreciated. People don't think too highly of you because people don't know you or your potential. My family, we're getting used to a new city right now. And one of the fun things that we've been doing as a family is we've been finding all the new playgrounds in Pittsburgh before the snow hits. And, and so we've been going out and kind of exploring the city and, and me and the kids, especially when mama's got things to do, we just go, you know, hunting for playgrounds. And so we found this one church that we're partnering with, and they just open up their property. They have a gym and a place for kids to play soccer and a place for the kids. And so we went there, and I'm just hanging out. It was perfect, you know, because kids are doing their thing, and I can just sit and chill. And so I'm sitting there, and um, there's a bunch of boys, probably about like 12, 13-year-olds. And, you know, y'all know my twin boys. They're, They're ballers. They want in on every game they see. And so they rock up, but they ain't got no street cred in Pittsburgh. And so my, my twins, Bolt's like getting really tall. He's, you know, tall like his mama. And, 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 and you know, he's, he's, the twins just quite haven't gotten there yet. They look like little pipsqueaks still. Um, but they're ballers. I'm just telling you, they're straight-up ballers. And so um, the, the kids, they're asking to play, but the kids aren't letting them play. And so all of a sudden, the game's going on, I'm watching from a distance. I'm not intervening. And Mac, okay, who's a quarterback, starts throwing the ball with the grandpa on the sidelines. All it takes is a couple throws from Mac, and you realize the dude's a baller. Mac's got a cannon. He's got an arm. In fact, this past fall, um, he relocated Drew Brees' son to second string. Mac was the starting quarterback. The dude's got a gun. And so it was amazing. The, The grandpa's like, you know, kind of amazed at this and so I see the grandpa go over and talk to Mac and so I can't hear what's going on I see all these 12 13 year old kids like they're they're checking it out and so I was like all right I'm gonna see what happens so I walk out and I start talking to his grandfather and the grandfather says are these your boys and I said yes sir those are my boys um he said your son says that Drew Brees was his coach <laughs> I, I said he ain't lying Drew Brees was his coach. And so all of a sudden, some of the other kids, I'm telling you, within five minutes, guess who got picked up in the pickup football game? (laughs) See, you don't always tell what something's worth by appearance, do you? May I submit to us today that the church is underrated. And the world looks at the church and sees weakness, maybe. Hypocrisy, maybe. Man, they ain't all that, maybe what I wanna unpack for us today is the beautiful power of the gospel within the church. And I wanna show you how awesome it is to be on team Jesus. Let's look in God's word together. I haven't even really started preaching yet, so let's get in the word. 2 Corinthians chapter four, verse seven through 15. We're gonna look at the apostle Paul here. You know, you find so many stories of, of, of people who are just ordinary people doing extraordinary things for God. I love that. You know, finding common people that do uncommon things. You know that Paul was one of those guys? I don't know about y'all, when y'all think about the Apostle Paul, I mean, typically I want to think of like Gaston on Beauty and the Beast. That's what I want to think about. I want to think about this big, strong guy with, you know, muscles and and you know, super tall and super ripped, like Pastor Dustin, you know, and and so like that's what I want to that's what I want to think about and and, and you know, but I'll just let you know the Apostle Paul was not a physical specimen. He was, according to historical facts, short, um, hunchbacked. Uh, he wasn't good looking. Um, in fact, he admits this throughout Scripture, um, he wasn't even eloquent in speech. Um, he, he wasn't brilliant. Um, yes, he had a lot of creditation in his life, but uh, to most, it was because of the family that he was raised in. And, and so in all these different things, um, we know that Paul um, embraced uh, who he was in his weakness. You you put on top of that, not only his weakness, but the persecution he endured. And people came at him left and right, not just those who weren't on team Jesus, but even those who came on team Jesus. Listen, those people were so ticked off that Paul was their representative. They're like, if we're gonna have a poster guy, if this is gonna be our guy on our commercials, could we put someone with a little bit more swagger I mean, I don't don't know if Paul's the best representative for Team Jesus for us. There's no way we're going to advance this message to the ends of the earth with Paul. And so it's coming from all different lengths. Listen, Paul knew these things. Paul, number one, understood how amazing it was that he was even on Team Jesus. He was the one that wrote, God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Can I assure you, any of us who are here today that know Jesus as Lord and Savior, we know, we know how unworthy we are to be Christians. And that's why during a worship set, we lift up our hands and thank him. Paul knew this. Paul also knew, listen, that it was a miracle that God was using him in any way for God's kingdom and God's glory. And so look at this text with me. 2 Corinthians chapter four, verse seven through 15 says this. Paul says to all the haters, he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, the word of the Lord. I've got three real simple points. You wanna write down notes, write these down. Number one, I wanna assure you here today, if you're praying about becoming a part of Team Jesus or if you're on Team Jesus, I want you to know that number one, you have a position. You have a position. Isn't it awesome to know that God invites us on his team? You have a position. There's nothing worse than not being invited to play. And I want you to know that in Christ Jesus, you have a position. In the first part of verse 7, it says here, treasure in jars of clay. Here's the position. Y'all ready? Now I'm gonna get real um, motivational and friendly and encouraging to you. You ready? Let's clarify some things about this statement. Number one, you are not the treasure. Well, thank you, Pastor Rob. That's really encouraging. My mama says I'm a treasure. You're not the treasure in this text. The, the treasure is, is not you. That, that could be a great book that I just tour around the country with. I'm sure, we'll pack out stadiums. You are not the treasure. Number two, check this. You don't in this text Carry a jar of clay. So this isn't something that you're carrying around. Well, Pastor Rob, who are we then? What's our position? You are the jar of clay carrying a treasure. That's what you are. That's your position. If you become part of Team Jesus today, which I pray in just a few moments, you would repent and give your life to Jesus. You are a jar of clay carrying a treasure. Who is the treasure? The treasure is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, three through four. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the treasure. Number two, The jar of clay is mankind. It's us. You are not the treasure. The power of the gospel in and through you is the treasure. And so, outside, let's keep it real, you're a clay pot. (laughs) What is a clay pot? It's dirt. You've become hardened. You're breakable. You're cheap you're replaceable on the outside but on the inside when jesus christ transforms your life how many y'all got saved and then automatically got muscles no no that doesn't happen like nick bratton will be out of business right i mean straight up nobody will need a personal trainer just give your life to jesus you'll have you know abs no, that's not the transformation that takes place. The outward is decaying. The inward is the work of Jesus Christ. Our spirit gets consumed by God's spirit, and our souls are saved. We're a new creation. Doesn't mean no longer gray hairs, it means that we have new life within us, and this treasure. You know, it goes on in the end of this chapter. Um, Paul says, we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And so the work that we're talking about here, we are jars of clay carrying the treasure. And Guys, clay pots were useful and valuable only based upon what they were carrying. So what's inside it is what makes a jar of clay valuable. And may I submit to us here today, church, if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are a valuable jar of clay. You are a valuable jar of clay. Galatians talks about this. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, Paul says, I know haters, you're hating on me. You're saying I'm weak. You're saying I'm an ugly clay pot. He ain't really even fighting against that. I would. I'd be like, your mama. Because I'm prideful and I got my own issues. Paul's like, yeah, that's right. I am weak. I am broken. I am, you know, beat down. I'm not worthy. For where I am weak, he is strong. You see, the clay pot is the proof of the power of the gospel through our weakness. Which brings us to number two, you have a purpose. I haven't even gotten out of the first verse yet. So in the second part of verse seven, look at it with me. It shares our purpose. You have a position. Number two, you have a purpose to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So everybody look at me. To the world, to the world, your disqualification is your weakness. To God, y'all ready? Your disqualification is your credential. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Amazing. In fact, I would submit to us today, those of you who are put together, you've got everything, you kind of don't really need God. It's going to be really unlikely that a miracle of God's going to show up. But if you're here today and you'd say, you know what, there's no way even Jesus would forgive me. I don't know if he could save me if he knew all the things that I was doing. Or if you're a believer today and you're like, I can't talk, I can't do this. There's no way I could do this. I would submit to you that you are actually the perfect ingredient for a miracle of God. For God is in the business of doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And our very purpose as clay pots is this. To show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And so the power of the gospel in a clay pot proves the power of the gospel. And so check this out. Because of his surpassing power, there's a number of things that the power of the gospel empowers us to do. It's amazing. Look in verse 8 and verse 9. Paul says we're afflicted in every way, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. However... We're not crushed, not driven to despair, not forsaken, not destroyed. I've described these in a little bit different way. You might want to write these down. The power of the gospel empowers us to do these things. Number one, when in pain, I will keep going. Remember, this is not our power. This is his power in and through us. So when there's pain, the power of the gospel keeps you going. It keeps you going. Um, any of y'all who play sports ever hit that, like, second wind? <laughs> I've played basketball twice up in Pittsburgh. I'm trying to get back into it, you know? And, and so it's a great way to connect with people and, and meet new people and make new friends. And so the other day I went out and played, and I was terrible. I mean, terrible, okay? It was embarrassing. I didn't tell anybody what I was doing or what my name was. I wanted them to forget me completely. The second time I went out to play, I went and played with a bunch of high school kids, and they were reluctant in even picking me up to play, I'll be honest. It hurt my feelings, but once again, underrated. And for this game, y'all, I was on fire. I mean, it only took three or four shots, and they were like, holy moly, this guy's come out of nowhere. Who is this? They're starting to ask me questions, and like, I'm on fire. And so we're playing for like 45 minutes, and this out of shape guy is dying I mean trying to keep up with these high school kids like I am dying I'm not just struggling I'm S.T. ruggling. like I am I am really dying but all of a sudden around the corner come my kids and Annabeth and I'm still at a stage in life where I just I want to show off for the kids <laughs> I want to show the boys daddy's still got it you know the glory days kind of guys, you know, that's most of them are playing softball nowadays. You know, that's about the only sport they can play. But uh, I'm just, I'm telling you like the glory days. So I all of a sudden got that second wind because I'm going to show, right? This, the second wind is, is something that I believe the spirit of God gives us. Any of y'all feel like in a painful season, you've wanted to quit. And those of you who know Jesus, somehow God came in and renewed you. To keep going when in pain i will keep going number two when discouraged i will stay hopeful what the text says there is that we are perplexed or confused but not driven to despair so when discouraged i will stay hopeful i've shared this with you before reflective praise inspires future perseverance as we've begun this new work in pittsburgh god's opened some amazing doors but we've also had some really difficult things happen And why in the world, in this moment, why I won't get discouraged is because I believe that Jesus Christ has done it before, He'll do it again. And so when I am discouraged, I stay hopeful, not because of my faithfulness, but because of God's faithfulness. Number three, when attacked, I will remain confident. When attacked, I'll remain confident. My sweet little angel, McCall, she learned how to swim finally. Thank you, Kiki, her grandma. And so Kiki taught her how to swim, but she was kind of still timid. The first time I got to swim with her, it was unbelievable. I watched her first from a distance. She's swimming. She's real timid. When I got in the water, girl got bold. I mean, she was doing cannonballs. She was trying to do flips with the brothers. Why did she get bold? Who was in the pool? Daddy. Daddy. You see, when you go and study and you look at even the Greek words under this, it says that you're persecuted but not forsaken. That word not forsaken means never abandoned. And so in Christ, as I go out, even if I get attacked from the world, I remain confident that he is there. For Jesus will never leave me nor forsake me. Next, when knocked down, I will get back up you join team Jesus, you're going to get knocked down. Nowhere in scripture does it tell you you're not going to get knocked down, but you can't get knocked out. You cannot get knocked out. For even if on this side of heaven, standing up for the cause of Christ takes your life, I want you to know Jesus has got you for all eternity. And so we get back up I'll just keep it real as I'm looking at building a team in Pittsburgh and starting to spend some time hanging out, even assessing future planners in Pittsburgh and my work here. My number one question, I always interview people, leaders, potential leaders is tell me a time you failed. Because honestly, I don't want to have anything to do with anybody that can't handle failure because life is failure. And it's the rebound of failure. And what I've learned is that rebound is always empowered by the Spirit of God. Lastly, when sentenced to death, I will speak life. When sentenced to death, I will speak life. Here in the text, Paul says in verse 10, always caring in the body of the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies and so where it says here always carrying in the body the death of jesus this goes to first corinthians 15 31 where paul tells us to die daily and so every day is an opportunity now remember as they're persecuting you remember it's not you that they're persecuting they're trying to kill jesus you're just a clay pot carrying a treasure And so when we think about this, we answer questions like, why do bad things happen to believers? You ever thought about that? One of our sending churches, Long Hollow Baptist Church, their executive pastor suddenly died of a heart attack this past week. Why do things like that happen? Why do these things happen? I'm reminded in this text that we're clay pots. And sometimes in God's sovereign plan, we don't understand it, but sometimes God allows blessing and suffering for God's glory, right? Well, think about this. If we're a clay pot, sometimes God has to destroy the clay pot to expose the treasure. And this executive pastor served Jesus with so much faithfulness up in Nashville. Today is their worshiping and then tomorrow with the funeral, a lot of people are gonna see the treasure. It hurts. It doesn't make sense to us but a treasure is being shown. I want you to know that even though we're sentenced to death, we speak life. We speak life. Paul never tried to force people away from condemning his weakness because he knew the more and more that that weakness was actually displayed to the world, the more and more the power of the gospel would shine brighter. So you have a position You have a purpose. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10 says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. I will boast all the more glad of my weaknesses so the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am confident with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. Strong. Wow. Number three, and we close with this. You have a position, you have a purpose, you have a promise. I'm trying this alliteration thing, I've never done it before. And so pray for me as I try this in my preaching. You have a promise. I don't have time to read it, but verse 13 through 15 talks about three things that come together to speak to the promise of Christ. The first thing is faith. The second thing is hope. The third thing is grace. And when you put those three things together, these proclamations from Paul, it equals freedom. Do you know how you can have freedom today? Surrender your life to Jesus. God's word speaks about how we receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says this in verse 13. Because you confess with your mouth Jesus Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so, what is this freedom all about? May I submit to you three things in regards to this freedom? Number one, freedom in confrontation. When the haters come, you're free. <laughs> I wouldn't do anything in life if I actually listened to the critics, but I'm set free because at the end of the day, I have one job description on this earth. It's to listen to Jesus and do what he says. And so because of what we're hearing about in Christ Jesus, we know that, listen, no fear in death will result in no fear in life. And I get to walk confidently even in the face of persecution, resistance, confrontation. Number two, check this, it's a different twist on it freedom from commendation. Everybody, look at me. Pride comes before a fall. How many of you guys are excited about the saint season this year? I am. Big potential. I got to lead chapel this past week. One of the things I share with them, pride comes before a fall. Stay humble. And so you're you're not going to get out out of whack because you're going to remind yourself like Paul. Number one, I'm just thankful to be on Team Jesus. I didn't earn this. It was your mercy, God. But number two, I know how much of a loser I am. I don't ever. I'm just. Can I just? This is real talk. It's not in the notes. I don't ever have to try and persuade my kids that I'm a clay pot. Y'all with me? And probably in your house the same. Everybody else can be like, "Oh, you're so awesome." One of the things that frustrates me, but I also love. I've never impre- impressed Annabeth ever in my life. <laughs> ever. She's rolling her eyes right now online in Pittsburgh. And and it's been part of God's grace in my life because any praise that can come, isn't that how the enemy works? All of a sudden we're like, oh yeah, yeah, I did do that for you, God, instead of God doing that for me. And we wanna be set free from commendation. But number three, and I love this, this is what drives Vintage Church in New Orleans and in Pittsburgh, freedom for commission. Because we know that we are called by God, saved by God, not for ourselves. We are a royal priesthood, holy nation, people for God's own possession. Why? For ourselves? No. So that we might proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness and into light. And so we are free to go about proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. In verse fifteen, it says, "For all it is all for your sake, so that as Christ extends to more and more people, it may increase in thanksgiving to the glory of." God, And so this grace extends and extends and extends and gospel multiplication starts happening to where you know it, it's all about Jesus. But then someone else sees that they come to know Jesus Christ, it's all about Jesus. And then another one, it's all about Jesus. And then another one, it's all about Jesus. Praise God that what I'm experiencing here in New Orleans, what I'm starting to see in the city of Pittsburgh is not some sort of praise party for a church or for a person or for anybody else. It is a thanksgiving praise party for God. For God, for he alone is worthy. And so I submit to you today, those of you who don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, would you become a clay pot that gets to carry the most beautiful treasure in the world every head bowed and every eye closed as we go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we praise your name. And we thank you so much that your grace is sufficient in this moment. So, Lord, as we have heard your word, may we be doers of your word and respond faithfully to your word. And if there's one who's here today who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, may they repent and believe in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.